as automation people always look we're always looking to automate something mm -hmm. and you know it's like the 80 20 <laughs> rule you cannot automate something that, that takes up 20 percent of the time you have mm -hmm. to focus on the 80. the the point where you have to automate something in your business or your life is the point when you realize you're gonna do something for the second time On this episode of Analysis Paralysis, I am talking to David Zisner. He was an electrical engineer that worked at Intel for 15 years, actually doing assembly line automation. He is now consulting and doing automations for small to medium sized businesses. And we talk about how it's important to focus and specialize on specific software solutions, in his case, the CRM pipe drive, versus being a jack of all trades. We even finish off the call discussing chatbots, AI, and some of the crazy things that Google is doing to push the industry forward, and some of the backlash that has come from Google Duplex that was announced at Google I.O. 2018. So enjoy the episode. Hey, David. So how is it going, man? Uh, we connected through an automation group, uh, Facebook automation group, and it seems like that there's a lot in common. From what I understand, we talked a little bit, and it sounds like that you kind of have Pipedrive CRM is, is the core to your services, and we're using Prosperworks as the core to our services. And I talked to Kelsey on the prior podcast, and he's using Infusionsoft. So it seems like there's some kind of correlation here, but I'd love to hear more about your background. Where did you, you know, kind of start off your journey? Were you always in automation? What got you interested in automation? How did you kind of get to where you are now? Well, actually, it's pretty cool. Thanks for having me on, Alex, first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we connected through the, the uh, Facebook Zapier Experts group. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm an electronics engineer. I'm from Israel, so if I fumble for words, it's because you're totally it's fine. not my native language. Totally <laughs> fine, man. Yeah. And um, I actually come from electrical engineering, worked for uh, companies like Intel and startups. One of the startups that I was, oh, wow. um, I was a, a team leader in uh, was acquired by Apple a few years ago. That's actually the first company that brought Apple to Israel. They now have like, uh, they bought, I think, like three or four or five companies. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and uh, actually, I've been into automation in one form or another since I think uh, 2002, oh, because uh, I started oh, in Intel when I was a student, when I was an electrical engineer student. Okay, and um, and I started building, a, and 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 my job was to build a software for uh, run some sort of automation on on the phones we were developing. Mm. We we're developing cellular phones. Um, so we didn't call it automation, but it was automation. And it grew to uh, from just me starting a project to me managing a team of, I think, we were about four or five. Uh, and, you know, traveling to uh, factories in, uh, in Taiwan and later in, in, in South Korea as well, you know, running, running around factories and, and, and uh, make sure all tests run as well as they should and developing the infrastructure. And uh, after doing that for Intel, doing that for a startup that, that I was a part of, um, 
I actually went freelancing. It was around the time my daughter was born, my, my eldest. And uh, I realized the startup life is cool, but it's not, it's keeping me from being with the people I love. So why don't I just freelance and, you know, have more time at home? Mm. So that was around 2010, I think. Okay. And I started freelancing around automation for high-tech companies. And, and, and I had a team of engineers that, that, that worked for me. We did projects for different companies like Broadcom, et cetera. And around the year uh, 2014, I think it was, I kind of realized that we were doing really cool things and really complicated things with, uh, you know, with uh, automating platforms and systems for for high tech companies and for product development. But um, I, my wife is uh, is a photographer. Okay. And her her business was just starting to to was on the rise, and I started noticing that she did a lot of a lot a lot of the the things that she did in her business around marketing around sales were really, really not automated. So she mm. had like um, an email marketing platform and she had an autoresponder and she would send uh, um, a drip drip campaigns and, and that was cool. But outside of that, she was doing a lot of manual work, you know, for a small business, for a one-man show or two-man show. Mm-hmm. You know, every, every, every minute you spend doing some one thing, you're not doing another, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, so it really just started resonating that maybe I could help her in some of the actions she was doing. And I, and I, was, I remember it was her business and a, and a colleague of mine's business. And they were looking to automate really simple stuff. You know, I, I told Kelsey as well. We were really, um, you know, the, the simple act of having someone register to uh, like on a landing page, come to my webinar where, where I'm going to sell something. Mm. We're not telling them that, but that's what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, and then have you have to uh, to send them to register on uh, on on a on a go to webinar registration page, so you have a double registration step. You you want them registered on your email uh, on your landing page, so they'll be in the email marketing platform, mm-hmm. and you want to then register to the webinar so they can ha- receive their link and be registered and get notifications. And I started looking and asking, can I improve this? And I was looking for a solution that would allow me to. This is this is uh, 2014. Okay. I was looking for a solution that would allow us to uh, to kind of connect things together and save these extra steps and maybe build just a, a tiny uh, smarter uh, workflows. And I through through a colleague, I just discovered Zapier as a cool as a cool uh, integration platform, and I looked at it and it had GoToWebinar on it, and it didn't have our um, email autoresponder platform because that was a local Israeli one. So obviously they didn't have a Zapier app. Okay. But I, I noticed that they did have a developer platform. And I started mm. thinking, wait, if they have a developer platform and I can develop an app for our local Israeli autoresponder, mm-hmm. which has an API, and I can do a Zap. I didn't know it was called a Zap. I just called it do an automation from this to the other one and maybe even get the link from GoToWebinar right into the email marketing platform and send it in a nice email in Hebrew and not those uh, illegible uh, emails from uh, from GoToWebinar. Yeah, maybe something good would happen here. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how I started in the world of business automation. Okay, uh, and uh, we developed it. I, I developed the, plat- the 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 app, the the Israeli autoresponder a- a- app, and just starting building workflows. You know, f- these small steps with the webinars for my wife and, and for a colleague. And that was cool. That was nice. That was like two, three months of, you know, 
the first time you discover automation, it's it, it's so cool that I would just refresh the Zapier task history <laughs> to see if anyone else is registered in yeah. the last five minutes. And it's the stream, you know yeah, it's just the stream that that fills up in the history, and it, it's like a good feeling, and you could check out like who's doing it, check out all the steps, and you know it's an awesome feeling. Um, yeah, I I want. I, I, I want to unpack a couple of things here that you're kind of talking about. So when you're talking about automation, like in factory, like it, it sounds like that you actually started like true automation, automation. And I almost feel like it, automation is a funny term because I, I feel like it's kind of changed meanings over time in recent times. Whereas like in the past, it was really like factories, machines, robots, and that's still a massive part of it. So if you run around saying, hey, you know, we do automation for companies, the average person is probably going to be very confused by that because they probably will think bot. Whereas when I think maybe you and me and the people in the group talk about automation, we really don't mean, you know, machinery. We don't really mean bots in that regard. So did you actually start when you're talking about the factories, were you actually doing automation there on the, the equipment, on the machinery? Yep. The equipment, the machinery, you know, uh, having uh, test equipment, do some measurements and, and analyze the measurement, tell you if this phone is okay or this phone should go off the line because it, it doesn't uh, adhere to the GSM standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we automated, but at the core of it, really, you are just uh, building some sort of workflow. Okay. And um, it's funny, I, ha I, I had a lecture on, on automation yesterday for uh, students, people that are learning, uh, you know, PPC and SEO and all mm -hmm. that. So they were just like, you know, like a sort of intro to automation. And I, I told them what I tell everyone, you know, like you said, people think of automation, they think of factory, they think of something technical. But I, I see automation first and foremost as a habit. Hmm. So, um, you know, like, let's say, let's say um, you have a habit of getting up three times a week and uh, running or mm -hmm. cycling. So it's a habit. You know, you don't have that habit at the beginning. So if you don't have the habit, it, it, it looks strange to you to, to uh, set the alarm clock to, to 5 a.m., get on the bike when it's really cold and uh, ride around for two hours, maybe sometimes in the rain, and, and go back and start your day. So even the thought of that sounds crazy. Like, I wouldn't do that. What am I, crazy? I'll just, I'll just sleep over. Mm -hmm. But once you develop the habit, it's really, it's really hard to stop. I, I used to swim early in the mornings. Now I cycle. I cycle, but uh, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. when it's raining outside and I'm swimming in an open pool didn't seem crazy at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? because I had the habit. Mm -hmm. So automation is exactly like that. So it, it's a business habit. So once you you adopt the habit and you get used to looking at all the business processes, that's the marketing, the sales, the the customer service looking at them through the automation prism, it, it really changes the way you are, your, your business is built. It changes the way your customers experience your business. I, I tell a lot of people all the time, we're in the business of engineering customer experiences hmm. because, because that's what we do. We, you know, we build automation so someone mm -hmm. will receive the right email, the right, right notification at the right time, be it the salesperson or the client. It doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but something good has to happen at the right time. And so you can do that without automation. So it's it sounds like a lot of what you're kind of involved in, is it more from the sales and marketing side or do you get pretty heavily involved in maybe the operational? So maybe something goes from, some someone's now a client uh, of a company 
and what does their the project look like? What is the process of the project? And then bring them from project start to completion to then after the project's completed, like, hey, you know, let's do a case study or can you leave us a review? How, how involved are you throughout the entire process? Or is there a certain area that you focus more on? I focus a lot. I think, I, you know, I, I, it's something that I realized a while back. There are a lot of great uh, digital agencies, people that are very good at generating leads mm-hmm. at a good cost, yes. right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so that market really is filled with hugely talented people. Totally, Some yep. more and some less. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and they're very good at, at bringing you an X number of leads at a Y cost. Mm-hmm. So that's great. But not a lot of people give thought to what happens one second after the lead is generated. Mm. So I, I like to think of ourselves as from the lead and up north. Okay. So be it, be it the, the, um, the connection of, of, of how the lead uh, experiences your, your sales pipeline, all right? Or, or once you do, or, or how do you manage the, the follow-ups and everything inside the sales process so it's a seamless, a seamless experience for the customer, for, uh, but it, it's also a very good experience for the salesperson who has to deal with tens and hundreds of leads that way. Uh, how do you, how do you, how do you automate a lot of the hard work to make the salesperson's life easier so they will close more deals? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and also, and also the I, I love the side of what happens after the client closes. How do we do the onboarding in mm-hmm. the best fashion? So um, what what project management software? We talked a little bit about this in the past. Um, what project management software do you find yourself using internally, and then also for for clients? And I'm I'm guessing maybe you use different software for different clients. It it is tough sometimes to find one piece of project management software that works for every client, right? Yeah, I actually tell you the truth. Uh, um, I'm still waiting mm. to fall in love with a project management software. Okay. As I did with the pie drive for sales, for example. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I really, you know, we, 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 we corresponded about that. We had a few back and forth about that. Uh, you and I, mm-hmm. um, um, you with Asana that, that you obviously you fell in love. Like, like I fell for pie drive, you fell for Asana. <laughs> But, uh, I'm I'm trying. It's I'm constantly trying to fall in love with it, right? Like Asana, really? it, it yes, it it is tough because there's so many things that you can do that it's a little overwhelming and it's very easy. There's no guardrail, so it's easy to do things wrong and start hating the system. Um, so I've right. constantly been trying to figure out best practices for the past two years, and I don't even feel like I fully have them, which is a scary thing for a piece of software. So then I'm like, you know, should I put Asana in for clients? And it's pretty much like an absolutely no in most scenarios because it's just it's too overwhelming for their needs so what i use internally actually differs significantly from what i even recommend clients on which is a weird thing um, yeah for project management for sure yeah so uh um a good project management software yeah that, that's a very good question i i can tell you that my, my rule for now for a good for any piece of software in the business um it really has to either integrate real well with Zapier, mm-hmm. have a real powerful in- integration, or um, it should have a real simple uh, REST API yep. that we can use webhooks to, to perform mm. any action. That really is, I, I cannot pick uh, a tool for either my business or my customer's mm-hmm. business that doesn't adhere to to either of these two. Because Most definitely. Otherwise, yeah. What, yeah. What happens is you have like a let's say a, a, a some sort of business process, and you're manually doing actions, and it works well while there's while you're small, or while there's not much uh, uh, going on. 
But you always had to ask yourself, and I always think about that when, when, when I work with clients, um, what happens if, it's, if what we're doing succeeds? Mm -hmm. And what happens if it really succeeds? Mm -hmm. How will our everyday life, how will our clients' everyday life look when things go really well? Mm -hmm. Because suddenly you're dealing with a much larger volume. And, and that's something that, that I, I'm rec I've recognized over our work that uh, a lot of businesses don't give much attention to. Mm. So they start with some sort of workflow. Let's do this, let's do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, just today, I, I, I got a confirmation for, my, for a project that, that I'm really excited about with a client. And they had a process like that. So they're, they have like uh, they have uh, mostly Facebook campaigns. And, and, and from there, they have a webinar that's pre-recorded, but at set times. And then they have to start uh, segmenting the leads to those who register, those who attended, those who attended uh, for most of the time or, or a shorter amount of a period. And it worked really well when they, when they were small, but now they have... Uh, they have like one webinar each week mm -hmm. with about 1,500 to 2,200 registrants. Mm. Yeah, they are really okay. losing heads and hand and feet. Well, well, so that's kind of the interesting and difficult thing, I think, where um, I'm sure you being involved with your own company, like when does it make sense to automate? And I think it, it, it makes more sense for us to automate things more often because we already know so well the concept and the mindset of automation. But for a client, like it, it is actually difficult and it's, you know, training involved to know when to automate. When should I be thinking like this thing's going to scale? And when it does, we need to do something because... I think you and me are probably good at looking at something and saying, you know, we can automate this, but this will probably save such a small amount of time relative that we don't even want to look to automate this until you guys maybe hit, you know, 50 of X per month. Then we should start looking at automation. Yeah. My, uh, first of all, it's, 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 uh, it's really accurate what you're saying because as automation people always look, we're always looking to automate something. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like the 80 20 rule you have <laughs> yep. to automate. Uh, you cannot automate something that, they, that takes up 20% of the time. You have mm -hmm. to focus on the 80. But I have, a, I have like a, a rule of thumb that I always tell people. And I know they won't follow it um, precisely. Mm -hmm. But if they just remember it as a rule of thumb, already their lives will be better. I always tell people, listen, the, the point where you have to automate something in your business or your life is the point when you realize you're going to do something for the second time. Hmm. So I had a really interesting, um, you know, uh, I admin a, uh, a Facebook group called uh, PyDrive and Zapier users in Israel. I would invite everyone to join the group, but most of the discussions there are in Hebrew. So <laughs> I don't think you'd, you'd make much of it, uh, <laughs> although you can work with Google Translate. Yeah. Um, but there, there was a really interesting discussion there by uh, I, I told them that we automated uh, a workflow for our client that involved generating uh, automate, uh, automating quote generation process. So they uh, they manage their leads in PyDrive, okay. obviously, mm -hmm. because they're our customers. And uh, they wanted a way to uh, to auto generate the quotes because they were, they were working on the quotes for a long time. So I figure out, listen, we're just going to uh, uh, connect um, web merge with mm, PyDrive okay. and WebMerge, and, and they have a native integration, so it works really well, and, and it's uh, it, 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 they have a dynamic table of all the products. It's really, really good integration. And uh, I told about that, the group about that, like, listen, if you're doing this process, just, uh, just, uh, just automate it with WebMerge. And one of the guys in the group tried to do something one way, tried to do it another. He, he wanted to, to build his workflow a bit differently. So he didn't get around to, it was about a month of him 
just playing around with it and knowing that he wants to do it, but never really doing it. And then he wrote a post, I think it was two, three weeks ago. He said, listen, I came to, the, uh, for about a month, I wanted to do this, uh, this uh, quote automation and didn't get around to it. I, um, I, I, today I, ha I had to write two quotes for two customers. And I decided that instead of spending 30 minutes to write these quotes, I'm going to spend four to five hours building the automation. Mm. Now, on the surface, you can you, you can say that, that that's a very poor uh, very very poor decision, right? Because just spend the 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But he understood and he knew that if he spends the 30 minutes today, he'll spend them tomorrow mm -hmm. and the day after that and the day after that. But if he just takes the time, which is longer, to automate it. That's it. He doesn't have to deal with with the with the repetitive process ever again. He just presses a button on 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 his CRM and it's done. So really, the rule of thumb is just start noticing when you're gonna do something for the second time, and that should like you know like uh, light up your spider sense that uh, perhaps this thing needs to be automated. It, it's interesting because I think one of the things for me that I found was proposals is are one of the, the best areas to get a client to understand the value of automation because it's one of those things that, you know, if, if they're kind of a service business, I got involved a lot in the home improvement space initially, and they may be pushing out 400 plus proposals a year. So that's a very clear area of like, okay, well, a proposal, maybe a custom proposal is going to take me two hours. So if we can automate this and make this take 20 to 30 minutes, it's very clear the time savings there. So I, I think there's certain areas. It's funny that you mentioned that because I really think proposals are a great area for people to get involved with either automation or at least modularizing. Like there are things that you can do to improve your efficiency um, for, propo for proposals. And then there's the point of like, yes, pushing from the CRM to the proposal software and a lot of great proposal software out there. Like we use uh, PandaDoc, for example, and they have a few integrations with Pipedrive, ProsperWorks, and a couple others. And you can just click a button from the opportunity and it will pull out all the tokens and it will fill out the proposal with that person's information and the opportunity name and things like that. So I think a big part of that, yeah, what have you seen? I mean, like, what, what is the easiest ways for someone to get involved with automation that maybe they don't want to involve someone like you or me right off the bat? They just want to get a taste of what it's like. I would suggest, first thing, just start looking at your everyday and start noticing the things that you're doing over and over again. Because... Um, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, when you uh, when you want to develop a habit, you can't just go from being a couch potato to being uh, like an Ironman. Hmm. You have to uh, you have to go through steps, and you have to go through steps that that your that that uh, your mind and and, and, and you can process, right? So um, it, it would it wouldn't be effective to automate something that you don't repeat over and over again. Because then you, you you put in the work for automating it, for studying something new. And if you don't have the habit yet, you have to study something. You have to ask in forums. It can be a bit frustrating maybe at the beginning. But then if you don't notice it, the, the output of that every day, you, you just wouldn't develop the habit. So mm. first of all, just look at the, at, the, at the simple, simple stuff that you're doing every day. Remember, we started from automating the double registration between our autoresponder and uh, GoToWebinar. Mm. So... Just you know, pick the, the 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 minute little action that you that you're doing over and over again, and say this is this is a a, a challenge that this is something that I want to remove from my schedule, um, and, and and then just 
if you want to know how to get it done, just um, you know, open a Zapier account because because it is the most accessible uh, mm. way to start automating and just start playing around with things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so maybe it, it, it's a mindset, right? Like it, it really is a mindset that you need to get into. An automation mindset is a way of thinking that you know. I think listening to podcasts like this is a good way to start thinking in automation. Where a lot of my clients don't start thinking that way, but the more that we talk about things and we start automating, it's it clicks with them, and and, and now they yeah. come to me and like, hey, can we automate this? And it's like, yeah, we can. And it's it's so cool to to hear that from them. You know. You know, I have a, I have a. I kind of find a story about that. I think it was uh, a year and a half ago or something. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a client of mine. She has a business. Uh, she works with parents and kids on uh, on improving communication and, and meditations. Oh. And uh, we were talking. We, we were we were uh, actually improving their uh, their company's uh, pie drive their their sales infrastructure. But then while talking to her, I was home that day. And I realized she also needed some uh, some some good images of her of her business. That's what one of the things that my wife does. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, business uh, mm-hmm. business photographs. So I told her, "Listen, I'm 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 giving the phone to my wife. Just just talk you to, and I know you'll, you'll hit it off." <laughs> so they started talking, and um, and and I gave her the phone. I was in the other room, and and my wife, of course, being a good uh, being a good uh, a salesperson of her business. Um, put her details and everything into PyDrive and everything in the conversation and, and, and the, the talk ended. And I think it was about like 10 minutes later, I got a, I, I got a phone call from, from that client and she told me, David, listen, I want, I want what I got now. I want one like that as well. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? She said, you know, yeah, I just finished the call and, and, I, and I got what you said. I want it as well. And I, I, I really had no idea what she was talking about. I had to go back and forth. Then I realized that because my wife, being a good salesperson, marked in her pipe drive account that she that uh, that client was a referral mm-hmm. for me. That client got an S, uh, a very custom SMS that says, "Hi, Nessa, because you came through David, you're eligible for a ten percent discount using this coupon. Here's the link to uh, to to purchase the the session." But oh, that's awesome. I didn't. I did not remember mm. setting the automation up. So is, is is that in in your wife's account? So does your wife have a pipe drive account, or do you share that share an account? Uh, anyone, I think everyone I know, other than my dog, has a pipe drive account. <laughs> yeah, but my wife's each business is a separate pipe drive okay. account. We okay. have one. Uh, my wife has one, and uh, obviously everyone that we are. We build a sales infrastructure to has a pie drive account as well. That's very cool. So, did you use something like Twilio in order to to send that out? Uh, actually, just a local. Uh, like I said, it's a local Israeli uh, uh, SMS platform as well uh, okay. that I helped usher into uh, into Zapier because no one knew what Zapier was like two years ago. So, so have Israel. you have you seen um, SMS like really be a helpful? thing i guess like it's an interesting thing where like email obviously people have been using that for a very long time and uh i think like a haircut appointment i'll get an sms message but otherwise i really don't get sms which is kind of nice in a way because i don't really like my i I feel like my number is my safe zone um but have you seen like a good kind of return on investment by uh utilizing something like sms for marketing huge yeah we huge return on investment Mm. for sms um we're using actually multi-channel, so we're using 
email, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using SMS and we're using chatbots. So we use the Facebook Messenger uh, broadcasts. Mm. But uh, yeah, if uh, I'm you know, looking uh, uh, six months back at, uh, at the, the Black Friday, uh, we got a huge return on SMS because we used really, really, really uh, custom-made SMSs. So what we did was just pull the list from the CRM, like three segments, I think, of customers who uh, who d- uh, did not make a purchase this year. Okay. Customers who uh, who have made a purchase in la- uh, uh, last year and customers who are right now in the sales process. And using Zapier, we sent, we, we really, really customized the message to each one and sent a very custom message saying, listen, you, you got you to gotta make use of our, of our uh, Black Friday uh, mm. offer. And that worked. That worked so well that I said, you know, I I I I copied all the the phone numbers and names into Google Sheets, and and I I, I turned my my eyes to to talk to someone. I look back and oh my god, look at all these leads. <laughs> I had no idea that they would they would flow in so fast. That's awesome. Um, no, definitely yeah, something to consider. Very cool. Um, I, I there's a bunch that I want to jump into. I heard you mention you know bots and and things like that. I do want to focus on one thing. So. Pipe drive. It's it's. It, I want to dive into this. We didn't. We we've kind of been uh, talking briefly about it, but I love CRM. I absolutely love it. Like if you yeah. if you talk about, I guess the the set of things that we use at a core level, G Suite and and Prosper CRM are the two things that I just love. I, I whenever they update it or an API updates, I get so excited to just check it out. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's just like I'm curious how you got involved with PipeDrive. Why did you choose it to be that that core to yours? You know, do you just take on clients that utilize PipeDrive or do you actually take on other clients or only if they're willing to switch over to PipeDrive? Like what does that look like for you? First of all, we got into PipeDrive for uh, two reasons. Um, I, like I said at the beginning, we developed the Zapier app for the Israeli autoresponder, the leading mm-hmm. Israeli autoresponder platform. And we just, once I realized that it's helping us make money, I just, I just, uh, I started selling subscription to this specific app. Um, so we would do, uh, we, we would sell actually, um, you know, um, an, an app for automating marketing processes. But at, at, at some point, I started realizing I need I need another application for for the app I developed. Hmm. So an application. So another way to tell people, listen, you have to use our app. And what connects better with the sale with with the marketing process than the sales process? Mm-hmm. So we were looking for uh, for a good CRM that I can say, listen, using our Zapier app, uh, this CRM uh, connects well to this email marketing platform. You can build workflows that you have not been able to build before mm-hmm. by by our uh, our um, our app, our marketing app. Okay. So that's one reason. Second reason is really for my wife's business. We were just looking for a good CRM solution because we were using Excel before ah. that or in Slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and really looking uh, uh, looking around, I asked people. I heard of PyDrive like uh, a year before or so, but I didn't put put much uh, thought to it. Okay. But then I started asking around and looking around and investigating, watching their videos, and seeing that it was not only a fun CRM platform; it was really powerful. In its simplicity, it was really powerful with its Zapier integration. Mm. Um, so that's kind of I, I, I just kind of fell in love for PyDrive, and I, I felt so hard in love that I just created a, like a four-hour free um, online training course for oh, PyDrive. Interesting. That 
yeah, the, the just, just started telling people, listen, you have to use the CRM. And obviously, one of the sections there was how to, how to connect it with our automation uh, app. Mm. Um, and it really gained a lot of, a, a lot of attention. People really loved it. They really loved our, our training. It's still, it, it's still online today. Um, and that's the point where we started getting requests for, uh, for CRM integration process, uh, mm. uh, projects. It, it's interesting because, so, like, I guess when I was first starting out, I realized um, I, I tried a few different CRMs out there. Uh, Streak CRM was actually what I, one of the ones that I started on. I tried Base CRM and a few others. And at that point, I got very passionate about like, okay, well, if I'm going with Prosperworks, then I think this is the best one on the market. And the more that I've been in this community and the more I've been talking to people, um, the more I've been like, I guess, open to, to like, there isn't necessarily one solution that works. Yeah. Part of it is just having one in place versus, say, Excel, for example. Yeah, exactly. And then finding maybe a partner that understands everything about that system. Because I like this is what I feel pretty confident about, where if someone is using Pipedrive right now and they want to automate, it is such a no-brainer to get involved with you. No different than with us with Prosperworks. Because yeah. I know for certain that you know everything about Pipedrive. You know the limitations from the API, which also means you know workarounds. You know everything about Pipedrive. And there's value in that for versus saying, you know, I have some mentors of mine, actually, that they will put the best tool in for the job. But there's a difficulty with that where one day you have to be Salesforce expert, the next day you have to be Pipedrive expert, the next day you have to be Insightly expert. And it's like, it yeah. it, it doesn't, I don't feel like you can give the best return on investment, um, or I guess the, the best value to the client by doing that, where maybe they'll get a better fit for their needs, which there's definitely significant value in that. But really, going to an expert um, that knows the platform that you're specifically using, I think is one of the most valuable things that you can do. I, I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Also having seen um, some, some um, professionals who, who, uh, you know, uh, built PyDrive workflows uh, and, and uh, infrastructure for their clients without really knowing how to work correctly with PyDrive. Mm. So a client like that came to us and said, listen, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm I'm really uh, I'm kind of bummed out because I took someone else. We were too expensive at that time. Mm -hmm. I took someone else. I love the Pi Drive, but you were too expensive. I took someone else, and uh, and I, I cannot work with what they built. Could you take a look at it? And I looked at what they built. I invited to our office. I looked at what they built, and it was really not understanding the the core uh, concept behind Pi Drive. Mm. So. They would just, you know, someone, they have like a lead magnet and the person who built their pie their workflow just with with Zapier um, opened a deal for every new for every new person who downloaded the lead magnet. Oh, that's, no. Okay. That's in the thousands. Mm. OK. And most of them do not leave their phone number mm -hmm. and you cannot do and not you cannot do anything with them. You have to wait till their sales qualified to send them to a salesperson. But in, in, you know, having thousands of non-qualified leads in your CRM really hides the five that are qualified. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, that was the point when I told myself, I, I hope I have the, uh, the integrity to, to admit when something is out of my, uh, is not out of, out of, out of my uh, expertise. Mm -hmm. Because you really have to do that because you, you can do, you know, like I say, you cannot be, 
the the number one Salesforce experts and the number one Zoho expert and mm -hmm. the one number one PyDrive expert. You really need to focus, even if that seems scary because you, you're afraid to lose clients. If mm -hmm. you're focusing on X, you're not you, you cannot take customers in for Y. Mm -hmm. But uh, so if X is large enough and you focus on being really the expert on X, then uh, then you you can just um, bring much higher value to your customers and more of the right customers will come. Oh, and, and just the partnerships you can build with it. I mean, for example, I, I think it gets to this point where if anyone needs Infusionsoft, I know I need to send them over to Kelsey and, and no different with you with Pipedrive. Like in a weird way, we're not competitors at that point, which is really yeah. cool. Um, we're doing kind of the same things, but I don't want to step over your toes because I know you could do a better job for someone that has Pipedrive. And like, that's such a cool thing. Whereas if we did everything, then you kind of just get competitive and it's like, no, go with us. You're, what, what CRM you're using? Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll do it we'll do it you know yeah. and so I think it's kind of a cool thing that comes from it as well like the community that can be built from it and I think even so if if you find someone else that also does pipe drive and does everything similar to you in the community I still think that you'd relate with them and partner with them in some regard where you know sometimes it is good to have someone else that you can push some work off onto and maybe make some referral from it or just talk things through like hey I'm having a lot of problems with this specific use case. Have you ever experienced this in Pipedrive and do you have a workaround? And there's a large enough market available um, at this point where you don't have to take on every single client uh, at that point and you can just partner up and learn, you know, and I think that's what the community is meant for. So I totally agree because uh, really, um, you know, uh, I, I made the mistake at the beginning of, of, you know, taking on all platforms, all projects, whatever you want, we'll do it. That, that is so wrong. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but I guess a CRM is a CRM is a CRM in a certain way. And there is some truth to it. Um, but but from something that I like when talking to Kelsey that I kind of learned what was interesting to me, it was like he, he mentioned Infusionsoft. They have opportunities, but they're not opportunities in the way that ProsperWorks is opportunities to the point where he's like, we pretty much never utilize opportunities for other, you know, reasons. And then companies like these, these things that are consistent opportunities, companies, people, he was explaining to me that like they use them in different ways than we do, which is a very weird thing because that you figure CRM is a CRM. But yeah. it's not that way because there's limitations in Infusionsoft for, say, opportunities. Therefore, they can't use it in, in a certain way, whereas ProsperWorks works differently, so it can. So I'm curious from your standpoint, what is the, the workflow, the typical workflow um, in Pipedrive? And are, do, does everyone like kind of start as a lead potentially and then they could be converted into a person, an opportunity, and a company? Like what is the breakdown? What do you guys typically use? Can you have multiple opportunity pipelines, one for maybe the project pipeline process and one for sales or or is it really just the sales process like how does all that look and work for pipe drive first of all we try uh we try to have as little pipelines as, uh, as possible okay so not have too many pipelines and work a lot with products i'll, I'll get to why to in a minute um but it is very common for customers to have a sales pipeline mm -hmm. and then like an onboarding pipeline something goes the office pipeline so and and just automate that whenever a deal is won in the sales, open a new deal uh, in uh, in the onboarding pipeline, which will have totally different actions, totally different owner, and uh, will be more around getting the forms and verifying payments, etc. Hmm. Um, and and that's that's first of all something that we that we love to do whenever it's relevant, you know, whenever there is an onboarding process. Um, 
and yeah, work with uh, work with uh, the, the pipeline is usually it's 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 pretty uh, straightforward. The pipeline itself because you have a new lead, you have like a contact made, and then you have all the follow up steps, mm-hmm. and so that's pretty standard. What we are doing with that is like uh, the first step of the follow up process. We we uh, we automate se- uh, sending the the, the client's uh, details to maybe an email marketing platform based. On, on some sort of drip sequence based on which product is the client is interested in. Mm, so okay. if let's say I'm selling product X or Y, I will attach the right product to the deal. I can do that when when the lead is created with automation, like from a landing page mm-hmm. or manually. We'll instruct just just instruct the salespeople. And inside the uh, the product itself, since it's it's uh, it's a customizable, I would have a field that, for example, would would contain the drip tag. So uh, if you're working with Drip, you're using tags to uh, to uh, trigger workflows inside Drip that mm-hmm. send uh, emails and uh, etc. So I, I would I would just have a zap that says whenever the deal reaches the first follow-up stage, just send the um, uh, just send the lead, just pull the uh, the tag from the product mm. and send the details to uh, Drip. Ah, now building okay. a workflow like that once you really all you need to do is whenever you add it, add a new product just remember to to add the right drip tag for the right uh, drip sequence mm-hmm. and uh, then just instruct the sales team listen whenever you're talking to a prospect and you don't close the deal on the first round and you set like a follow up to uh, to two days from now just drag him over to this uh, to this stage of the pipeline, mm-hmm. and and he, they will receive an automated email sequence. Now they don't need to know how the email sequence is sent. Mm-hmm. They just need to know that they don't don't need to open their uh, their um, um, own email and start sending the prospect. Listen, this is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. This price, etc. It's just sent automatically. Uh, um, that's definitely great. Um, that's that's really cool. So I guess I'm trying to understand a little bit. The more that we talk, uh, somewhat of, of the business model that you have, for example. So say that you'll take on a client that's already using Pipedrive and they just want to do some of the things that you're talking about. So they want to have these automated emails going out for a follow-up campaign, depending on the product that they're they're you know selecting and everything like that. Um, what does kind of the business model look like? Do you, do you have an implementation fee, uh, a discovery meeting with the client, and then do they pay you for ongoing automation, um, consulting? Like what does that look like for you? Because I feel like a lot of the people I've talked to, they have slightly different business models, but they, there seems to be some type of recurring aspect to it uh, because to maintain automations, there is work involved with that. Yeah. So uh, first of all, yeah, just, just knowing what we're going to do is usually, it usually involves some sort of meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have had um, um, clients where I sold the, uh, the integration process over, uh, like over, over the phone, you know, riding my car somewhere. Mm. But usually, I would love to meet with them if, if it's if it's a big enough uh, if it sounds like a big enough opportunity. Okay. And uh, then we would try. You know, since it's a bit tricky, right? Because first of all, as as you and I know, automation is pretty much endless, mm. right? You can yep. always add something. You can always improve something mm-hmm. uh, up to uh, you know it, it can become marginal at some point, but you can always do something. So. You and I, we both know that if the client starts with automation, they will have, they will want more automation and more yeah. automation. But you can't really go into a sales meeting and tell, and them, "Listen, uh, once we start working, you will need, uh, you will be married to us. Uh, you will not be able to leave us <laughs> because you need more and more automation." And yeah. I don't think it's the right attitude as well. Mm-hmm. So, we really need to start with some sort of uh, of well-defined scope. 
Mm -hmm. So we're going to take this process. We're going to automate that. You will have these emails. You will have these text messages and you will have uh, lead sources X, Y, and Z pop into the CRM automatically. Mm -hmm. and, and you will have some sort of onboarding sequence and that will cost you um, X amount. Mm -hmm. On top of that, uh, we, we if it's with new PyDrive customers, since we are PyDrive resellers, mm -hmm. we will we will uh, we will sell them the licenses as well, um, which is a, which is a good uh, recurring revenue. Does, so does that um, go through you? Out of quick curiosity, the, the reseller program do do uh, you bill the client for PipeDrive and PipeDrive bills you directly, or do you just get a margin and they're paying PipeDrive directly? No, no. Uh, um, PipeDrive builds us. Okay. We build yep. the customer and PipeDrive builds Okay, same builds way us. for ProsWorks. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, lo I love that arrangement because mm -hmm. effectively it's, it's it's our client. Yes. So, yep. uh, mm -hmm. um, so there's that recurring revenue. And also a lot of the times, you know, um, when, when I just started out with, with the business automation, I really wanted everyone to be able to do the automations and, and create the zaps and do everything on their own. But, you know, I, it took me a couple of years to realize that people not, don't necessarily want to build their automation. They want someone, they just want it to work. Mm -hmm. So often, uh, if there's a large enough scope of potential for the customer, we would stay on on, on like some sort of retainer for uh, adding more stuff and adding automations. Or if it's just, uh, you know, we're seeing it, it was a set scope, but the customer will need some fixes, etc. We would tell them, perhaps even at the origin quote, you're also going to buy um, uh, some sort of, of an hour bank for future improvements, mm -hmm. etc. Okay. Um, so, so that, that that's kind of the business model for uh, you know always try to to sell the uh, the tools as well mm -hmm. and add value on top of the tools themselves. For us, for example, we can provide Hebrew support, or we have very good um. Uh, um, videos on on training and. And so that's added value that, that gives the people incentive to buy the licenses from us. Mm, uh, interesting. And also work and, you know, always improving the infrastructure. Mm. So, so one of the things that I've seen as well is, you know, Pipedrive and these other uh, large companies, they're trying to build it to a point where, where someone could just come in who is using Excel and jump onto their platform and start using a CRM. Like it is fairly easy to get up and running, but I think that's where one of the difficulties kind of comes to play where it's like they're selling the value of how easy it is to get started on their software, but that doesn't mean that they're going to use best practices. That doesn't mean they're going to be configuring the custom fields that need to be created. Or maybe you don't use a custom field here. You use native tags. Or maybe like there's so many best practices to, to organize your data so that two years from now you have good data, you have organized, and you have best practice data versus them yeah. going on their own and just doing it. How do you get that across to customers sometimes? Because they'll just see, okay, so let's look at pipe drive. Uh, okay, like $25, $29 a month on the middle tier at, per user per month. And they might look at it in their mind like, okay, I have five user teams, so we're going to be spending about 150 bucks a month on the CRM. Why would I ever pay a company, you know, $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month to be helping me with this? And it starts not clicking in their mind because they're like, the software is only 150 Why do you want so much? How do you get that value across to customers the value of, of having good data and best practices and, and making it so that data can be pushed to other systems and integrated? Well, first of all, it's a great question. Um, one of the things that I realized, you know, tr you always try to to uh, to look for the ideal customer. So mm -hmm. who's the best customer for me at, at this point or for this product? And what, what I've learned is many times the customers that have um, tried some sort of CRM solution 
didn't work, put in the money and it didn't work for them. Hmm. Those are actually some of the best customers because they know they need a solution. Okay. Um, otherwise, it would not be talking to me or to you. Mm -hmm. But they know how it looks w when it's not done well. So really, those kind of customers, you can just say, okay, what, what, what? Uh, tell me about your past experience and tell, yeah, we did this serum, this serum, this. This uh, guy came in. He was supposed to be the processes, but we ended up using Excel. Okay, want to tell me why? And they start explaining the problems, and you, you tell them, yeah, look, listen, the previous solution you were doing it, your your mistake was that you didn't do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do that, if you build that correctly, you would not need to in, uh, input all data twice or uh, open your Outlook to write some sort of email whenever that happens, or have a direct line just at the push of a button, send a very uh, specific uh, sales oriented text message to the mm. client so really need to need to to build on their past uh, bad experiences mm -hmm. and explain and 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 you can build the authority but just by um explaining to them why it didn't work well last time as far as new customers and someone who has not had a bad experience um you just need i i guess i i call it sometimes in it's an roi cell you really mm. need to tell them listen if you have this uh this uh, sort of type of campaign, you, you, and you're bringing on X number of leads, and you're not, ha you're not handling them correctly, and this and this and this did not happen. You don't know who to talk to first. You're going to lose money. So what's the point of, of having a thousand new leads each month if you're not if we're only maximizing, uh, you know, two percent of that? So, so that's interesting because I think that's an area that I've actually been moving a away from, I guess, the new business where someone's like, I, you know, I'm using Excel and, I, and I'm sure there's a better way, but I love Excel because I've or, like, check this out. Look what I've made. Isn't this so cool? And it works so well and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you're using all these color schemes and things like that. But now hire a new employee and show them the system. They'll be so confused by it because what you created is in your own head and, and it makes sense for you, but it's not actually a standard. So I've, I found myself the same thing with web development. And I did web development uh, for the first four or five years of my career. And I realized that people, the first time they were getting a website built for their company, they were much less likely to spend money. And they were normally like they, they heard the costs associated with it and they'd be blown away by it. And, you know, they would always be a difficult client. The truth of the matter was you almost needed a client that had gone through a bad experience with a web developer already to realize that if you spend one two thousand dollars on a website, you're going to get a one to two thousand dollar website. Uh, and to do things properly, you need to hire a proper company that's going to be more expensive. And I, I'm almost seeing that same thing happened in CRM where in my mind when I first started selling CRM I was like I just need to sell enough clients to make that reseller margin and you get this passive income kind of coming in which isn't really the case because now you become tier one support and they're your client and there's a lot of work associated you're, you're still a service business there we're in no way a, a product business by doing this we're definitely a service business therefore there really is no idea of like passive income there's supplemental income that comes in yeah making a small margin from selling a CRM that's great but you're not going to build a business on that unless you're selling 500 to 1000 person seats but if you sell a 1000 person seat and you're not supporting them as a service company then they're not going to stay with you so yeah. um, I, I guess it's an interesting thing that so do you even really take on clients that have not had any experience with the CRM before? Like, are you getting to the point where you actually kind of turn them away versus trying to sell them on the value of doing it right? Well, like I said, at first I tried to have to bring all clients on board. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently at the point where, um, you know, sometimes the, the interesting thing is that sometimes the price 
really is your your sort of um your filtering mechanism oh absolutely for sure because mm -hmm. if someone doesn't have it and they, they will say okay yeah I'll, like you said before okay i heard that it's it's it looks cool i heard it's important my friend whatever told me but uh i'm willing to put i'm willing to invest i don't know 500 in that mm -hmm. and now in the past i would think okay how do i tailor a solution that would fit yep. your budget mm -hmm. but i don't do that anymore like listen this is this is you, you do, if this is your budget, you don't need this solution or you don't need to work with us. Mm -hmm. I have, I always have the advantage of saying, listen, I have the free uh, online training for Pipedrive, for example. Just take that. It's totally free. Just do it on your own. Ah, okay. Now, if they do that on your own and succeed, good for them. Mm -hmm. If they do that on their own and they abandon it and don't do anything with it, then our project, then they would not have an probably wouldn't have an ROI on if we were to do the project together. Mm. But sometimes they would start on their own. And a while, a couple, a while later, they would just say, "Listen, okay, I got it. It's not for me, but I, I understand the merits. But I'm not going to do it myself. Okay, I'm willing to invest now. And that that that's a that's a good uh, that's a good client because right now they they went through some sort of process. Mm -hmm. So, uh, out of out of curiosity, do you, for example, take on highly highly technical clients? Because like now now we'll we'll play that up a little bit. Like say they're very involved and and they almost want to know everything that you're doing at every point and what APIs you're using and they wanna they want full access to everything because they just want to see what's going on with it. Like do you take on clients like that or is that kind of a a, a bad sign to you? I take on clients like that. I just uh, if I realize if I realize during the sales process that there are these type of clients. I would probably uh, just uh, up the price a little bit mm -hmm. because I know I, I would need to invest a lot of time, you know, explaining and everything. Yes. I'm always into, uh, I'm not into holding any knowledge on my own. I think knowledge, you know, everyone can learn the knowledge. And if I learn to do X um, and I can teach my customers to do X, then they would come to me with the, with the bigger challenges. Oh, yeah. And Which is what we want. For, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More mm -hmm. interesting. It's, it's, it's more... Uh, um, it's more worthwhile as, as a business, uh, instead of just saying, listen, I know X and I'm going to do X for the, uh, for the entire population for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's not interesting. That's not a, a good business model. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would, I would definitely uh, take them on. I would, uh, we also have, uh, I started organizing like monthly pipe drive Zapier meetups oh. where for a very, very small cost to just get everyone together in the room, just Someone in the community will show us some uh, scenario or something they build, some interesting automation that they build that the other guys can learn from, or uh, you know, sometimes bring in like lectures that are totally related to uh, subjects related, like on on uh, sales methodologies and how to uh, how to uh, train salespeople. Um, so you know, just having the knowledge out is good, and mm -hmm. if it's a customer who's, who's uh, who really wants to know. How to get things, how how things work, and if they really are serious and understand, they you know not, not just wanting to learn something technical, but not having the chops for it at all. Mm -hmm. Then I'm all for it. I would just explain to them that listen, it's going to take more time. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to cost more. 
Yeah, you need to almost like do more um, detailed documentation for these types of people because they really want to see at the core of what's happening. And a lot more time goes into just project management or, you know, a bug happens versus just fixing that bug. You have to then spend a half an hour explaining to them why the bug happened, why it won't happen again. And, you know, so what I've learned, at least for myself, is, you know, someone who's not at all technical is very difficult to work with. Very, very, very difficult. But someone who's highly, highly technical, they're also very difficult to work with. Someone in the middle where they're willing to learn CRM, they're willing to learn a few of these other systems. So say that we're using, you know, Reply.io for email campaigns or, uh, you know, ConvertKit or whatever. As long as they're willing to learn some new software somewhat and and be adept with it, then that's a good client. And there's really this good give and take to the point where you mentioned, like, they may catch even small bugs and fix them, which is great because you don't have to be involved for the small things. And that's where you can really save, you know, your time and energy for the big things that, you know, the big wheel kind of stuff when they when they want to work on it. So um, no, it's definitely very interesting. I'm thinking kind of before because I know we're definitely running out of time. um, I wanted to ask you kind of one question about out of all of the automations that you've built for all of your, your clients or your own company, what is the one automation that you've built that maybe you're most proud of? Um, I'm almost thinking that it might be the example that you gave earlier on, that the native integration with Zapier that you built. Is that what it was? I was very proud of that one because really, you know, right now, you know, 2018 Zapier is, a, is a pretty much a household name with businesses. Mm-hmm. But... 2014, really, no one knew in uh, no one knew about it in Israel. Uh, but this is not the um, this is not the only pipe. This is not the only Zapier integration we build. We also build an app called Pipe for You, where ooh. we were missing functionality in the Pipe Drive Zapier app, and uh, and uh, we uh, we we needed we needed um, just a, a better better integration and more functionality. So we just built an app called Pipe for You that allows you to search deals. And and uh, context in a in a smarter way than the than these uh, part of Zapier app allows, and um, and also uh, and also allows you to attach deals to products and uh, and pull uh, products from deals, which was which is very useful. Mm. Um, you know, for for the it, it's no good if you have a workflow that pulls like a hundred uh, leads from from the uh, email marketing software and you have to go one by one and attach a product to them manually. That that really sucks. So um, that's that's interesting. So is Pipe for you, is this a, a product or are people only able to get it if they hire you for your services and you will use it on the back end? It's a product. Okay. It's sold separately. Okay. And uh, But usually when someone does an integration uh, project with us, we usually give them the app for free. So that's an edge. My my so-called competitors, you know, like other PyDrive integrators in Israel as well, um, they have to buy the software for their for their clients. Mm. So that's an edge we have because we developed it. So if you if you just want to buy it off the shelf, good, just you know, put in your credit card and pay for it. Mm-hmm. But if you do the integration process with us, you'll get it for free. So is it SaaS software? So is it an ongoing monthly subscription service to use it? No, no. This is this this one is a one time. Okay. That's that's really interesting. That's a cool thing, and I think that's honestly something that I've been looking to do as well. Uh, Prosperx is starting to allow for some deeper internal integration, 
And so you can build these kind of custom apps. And I'm thinking the same thing where, you know, if you work with us, we can build them or use these things that we've built versus either paying a lot for them or maybe we don't even make them available externally. Um, I think there's there's some scenarios where you'd want to do that. But it sounds really interesting that you're doing that. I think that's totally the right direction. It gives you that unique value prop. And then also you built the software. You know it better than anyone. So if someone's yeah. going to use it, why would they not hire you, you know, to, to maybe exactly. be able to manipulate it or better understand what it does. So that's very cool. Um, before we, we get off here, I definitely want to know, because you mentioned bots, and, and this is an area that I've played around with a little bit. I know the company Drift has gotten quite large lately, and they allow for kind of sales bots jumping in and maybe directing you to the proper, okay, so I'm a small business, so they'll direct you to the small business department versus enterprise. And there's a lot that could kind of be done with bots. Um, But I tried doing some of this for smaller clients, and they weren't getting enough traffic on the website, and and maybe 5% of that actually clicks on the bot. Um, so there just wasn't enough value coming in. So how have you been able to deliver value through bots? What bots are you using and how does that work for you and your clients? Well, we got into bots, um, about a year ago and really by mistake, we had, um, we had no intention of getting into bots. A friend of mine was in the, uh, there's a huge, um, Ryan Dice holds a huge, uh, marketing, uh, uh, convention each year in San mm-hmm. Diego, I think. Okay. And uh, a colleague of mine uh, came back from it, from it, I think it was the end of uh, 2015 or something, or 16, 2016. He said, listen, there's a huge thing in Facebook now. It's the bots. It's amazing. You can have, you can have <laughs> campaigns that go to messaging. I was like, listen, I have enough automation on, on my mind. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple, but, you know, a couple of months later, we started really in, uh, encountering a problem when we're um, – we would get a lot of, of uh, um, uh, me- private messages in, 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 in a Facebook page saying, listen, I'm interested in this product or that product. Can I hear more? And we'd just send them manually either a landing page that integrates with, with, our, with the CRM or we would take their details manually and send them to the sales team. And after a while, uh, it, it got really annoying that, listen, why do I have to answer these people all the time and copy their details into the CRM? Mm. If, I'm a, if, I'm an, if I'm an automation guy, why am I doing that? Uh, and I started investigating the issue and, and I came across the, the, the whole concept of bots in Facebook and I started studying it and really built a very, very basic bot just as a lead generation tool. And it, it just started working. You know, people, I, I would see people, I remember riding my bicycle one Saturday morning and really stopping near an orange tree in one of the fields here in Israel and just pulling out my phone while, while I'm eating an orange to just check out messages. And suddenly I'm yeah. seeing someone corresponding with the bot live. It was amazing. It was, <laughs> I remember, oh my God, oh my God, someone's talking to the bot. And you know, someone started talking with the bot Saturday morning and two minutes later, he was leading the CRM. Oh. And Sunday morning, he would get a, call, a phone call from, from the sales team. And also, we would do something that we would send them additional content through email, um, just you know, to, to grab their attention. And so I just started realizing part of it. Now, the, the getting traffic into your bot is really an, uh, a matter of, uh, of ha- having enough Facebook activity. So be it some sort of, we always see that whenever we run some sort of campaign, it doesn't even have to be a messenger campaign. But whenever we run any campaign, we would get private messages to our uh, to our business page, hmm. and the bot would answer. And you can also do. I have uh, since I have a digital course on bots, 
I also have a uh, um, um, funnel that, that leads to the digital course. And that's with uh, obviously with messenger ads. Mm -hmm. So people would see like a short video and they would and then would have like a, uh, a free uh, test yourself. Does your business need a bot? And of course, the bot would test you, ask you a series of questions and analyze if you need a bot or not. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a, a, a messenger campaign that sends leads directly into messenger. So um, really, I think it's it's a matter of, of having enough Facebook activity and being mm. act active as, on Facebook as a business that you just start receiving messages. Okay. And and, uh, and, and the bot will justify itself. So don't necessarily go out and spend the resources and time building out a Facebook bot if you're not even getting any Facebook messages. Uh, that, I think that's a good rule of thumb for automation in general. Like don't automate something because you think, you know, bots are supposed to be a big thing. Everyone says bots, 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 and AI, therefore I should build it now. It's like, no, you know, wait until there's the actual need for your specific company. And I think that's maybe been more the area that I've failed with with clients is they just weren't getting enough activity and they wanted that bot. I'm yeah. like, okay, we'll build it. And we do, and it doesn't get used so that's where well, we actually, kind of backed away actually, from it on, on, on if, if you're doing that one of the things that you can do is really partner up with with uh, someone who's good at building like uh, facebook campaigns mm. and then as part of the same so you know up the price a bit of the service and as part of that so listen i'm going to also buy uh, build you a basic campaign for getting leads from uh from messenger mm -hmm. um and it can be uh it can even be a um you know some sort of boosted post that the bot can auto respond to and that would start building their uh, their uh, broadcast list inside the bot. So it's really a matter of, of, of yeah, if they don't have any traffic, mm -hmm. they would also need you to build, to, to generate the traffic for them in a basic manner. Yeah. No, and, and that's the basic app and flow, right? Like when, when I started, I was doing web development and we, we naturally moved to online marketing. So I was doing a lot of AdWords and some Facebook campaigns and things like that. And then that's where I really realized like this right here is a company of its own and I don't like doing this anymore. There's value. I understand it. And I and it, you're kind of gambling in a way. It's, it's strategic gambling and you need to do it. And every client that I have is using AdWords and Facebook to, to market and they're getting a return on investment. But that's not an area that I really like being involved in, you know, taking that yeah. kind of risk of like, you know, there's some months that go by where they spend three, four grand and they're like, we didn't get any conversions. And then you're sick to your stomach. We're like, we didn't change anything with the campaign. It's no different. And then like two weeks later, things start working again. It was just because, you know, I guess people didn't want to buy this month. So it's a stressful business to be in. But I think you bring up a great point. Partner up with a company, essentially a marketing agency, a marketing company that does and specializes in that type of thing. And then have tell them like, you know, we want to build a Facebook bot. Can you help us get the traffic that we would need to build up a community to build up that that need for the bot and then kind of go from there? So I guess exactly. to, to, to close things out real quick, I'm just out of curiosity, um, bots and, and AI kind of overlap in some regard. Hey, did you see the, the Google duplex thing where, you know, Google on stage had, had called up, I guess, like the the small business and like asked for time or scheduled like the restaurant appointment or the haircut appointment and, and AI was just talking to the person. Did you see that happen? Listen, I saw that my jaw dropped. <laughs> I think on that day, other than sharing that on Facebook, I think I watched the clip, I think 12 times. It was so, so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, you, 
and, and people people saw that and I shared it. People was like, "Oh no! Oh my God! Machines will replace us. This is terrible. We don't know if we're talking to a machine or a person." But you have to really realize and think. It's a good closure because it's 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 also about automation where we started. Um, manual work and many and, and manual jobs will disappear, mm-hmm. right? So you need to really really. Um, sharpen your ability to generate creative value and generate value that machine will have a harder time duplicating mm-hmm. because if, 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 if someone listening to this has not seen that, just hop on YouTube, I, I, I guess Google IO bot call and just get that the, mm-hmm. the, the somewhat, you know, the, the, uh, a bot making a reservation for her client to, to uh, get a haircut. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing because it's such a mundane and, and not interesting, not interesting call. Right, mm-hmm. it's really not interesting, unless you know that the person is a bot. In which case, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, um, and I think that's the crazy part. And I, I there was an uproar because I think everything there's there people do kind of are they're looking at AI with a fine-tooth comb and they will get angry over it. And and people were saying like, okay, well, you know, that's messed up for the person answering the phone. Like they should know that they're talking to a bot. That's like unfair and things like that. But it's like really what you're doing is you're scheduling a haircut appointment. Guess what? I do that through you know a website most of the time now where i'm essentially dealing with the bot i'm filling out a form i'm not talking to a person and this is this would be more so used for the companies that aren't embracing you know we already have an online form to fill out and maybe in the future if a company has an online form and you tell the ai to go do it maybe the, the it just fills out the form online for example so it's really just pushing businesses that aren't kind of evolving these restaurants that don't have their hours of operation and things like that or, you know, busy wait times, which Google's trying to take care of a lot of that. You jump to Google, type in a restaurant, it says it's typically super busy at 6, 7, 8 p.m., so you will probably have to make reservations. So, like, Google's taking the AI in a way and doing things like that where you can actively quickly look at it, and people are like, well, what happens in the future future? It'll be bots talking to bots. And it's like, great. If I if I could tell my Google Assistant bot to call up and make an appointment for me and it does that and it talked to another bot, who cares? The point is, yeah. it just like that's that's the goal in a certain way. We don't want either human to be on other end because because like that's that's a waste of, of human activity, and it needs to start one way ba- one way initially, and then it will be both ways, and then that's where you get the value, and and the humans stop doing the redundant things. Yeah, I think also if you you know if if you find that uh, the that reception that took the appointment you know uh, from the bot, and and tell them. Listen, did you know that you were talking to a bot? I doubt they'll care. <laughs> yeah. Because you know they had what what did they they want to do to do their job well mm-hmm. and and you know have a good uh, work experience or have a good uh, experience uh, providing uh, the service that they provide. Mm-hmm. And they did because the bot was very polite. It was very uh, strict and to the point. It didn't mess around try to tell them jokes and waste their time. Yeah. It said, "Listen, I did X." They told them this. Okay, thank you. I doubt that it matters to them that they were talking to a bot. No, and and the business owner shouldn't care either because like the fact that I was able to conveniently schedule a haircut appointment through Google Assistant makes me want to keep going back to this company to get my haircut, you know, because it's convenient for me. And at the end of the day, that's what businesses need to kind of evolve and adapt to. Um, I guess the one downside could be these robo dialers. Like if they can start utilizing this technology, that could be bad and that could be annoying. And, you know, and that's, I guess I could see that being a worry, but from the examples that they gave, come on now, like you don't have to start the call saying, by the way, I am AI. And, and then you know that people are like, 
not going to take you seriously or they'll try to trip you up. And it, and now the value of that just like it's gone and you just ruin the purpose of what this is meant to be. Um, but yeah, man, cool. I, I really appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we're in just around an hour now. So where can people go, you know, to find you, find more information? You mentioned Pipe for you. So if you are using Pipe Drive, you probably want to go check that out. Uh, I searched on Google real quick for it. I couldn't find it. So can you give a little bit more instructions of where they can find that, how it's spelled, and where they can find you if they want to get in touch? Actually, they can find me on Facebook. David Zisner would be most convenient because our website is Hebrew. But um, mm. David Zisner on Facebook can just uh, message me. It's okay. I'll answer. Not a bot, I promise. <laughs> and Pipe for You is a private app. We have just a landing page for it in Hebrew. But I'll, I'll, I'll put a landing page also in English so people understand what it does. It's super, super useful app for... Uh, um, really for improving your PyDrive workflows. And if you want to just uh, consult with me to see if you really need it, just just send me a Facebook message. That'd be most convenient. David Zisner. Excellent. Hey, thank you so much for joining. Um, I really appreciate it. And I think we had a lot of awesome discussion. I'm sure we'll continue talking in the community and everything. But this has been another episode of Analysis Paralysis. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks, Alex. This is Alex Bass with Analysis Paralysis. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I am planning on doing many more of these. So if you could, if you enjoy this, please, if you can make your way over to iTunes and leave a review. Unfortunately, I think that's one of the only areas that that you can really review podcasts nowadays. So if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated. You could just search for Analysis Paralysis. If you want to reach out to me, because maybe you want to possibly join me on an episode in the future, we can talk about business process automation, efficiency, CRM. Maybe if you're a business owner that's implemented automation. So please reach out to me on Twitter. Alex H. Bass is my handle. Or you can email me at abass at aparalysis.com. Thanks so much.